Hey everybody, welcome to Crag Gals, the podcast where we are gals talking about crags. My name is Carolyn. I'm a third year film student here at Penn State University, and I am joined by my co-host Emma, Emma Sheepherder. Hello. Who are you, Emma Sheepherder? My name's Emma, third year biology student here at Penn State. Woo! All right, Emma, spontaneous fun fact. Who is your favorite music artist slash artists, if you like a band? So for those who know me well, they know I'm obsessed with a very specific band. And do you know what that band is, Carolyn? Lumineers? Okay, well, ah, oh, that's that's like, that's the next, uh, that's like, Lumineers is the favorite band if this other band didn't exist. Like, so Lumineers is the correct answer, but there's also a band that no matter <laughs> what is happening in my life, yeah. will always just be a constant. And what mm-hmm. is this band? Lord Huron? No. You have one more guess. Um, uh, soldier poet not soldier poet no it's, oh oh uh the ohalos no oh the answer is coldplay oh right i forgot you like coldplay <laughs> yeah uh yeah coldplay has been just a band that i've grown up with because my mm-hmm. mom's favorite artist or well band is is coldplay and i grew up listening to all of their all of the music and so mm-hmm. while yes now being in college and almost uh, a fully fledged adult the lumineers would be the number one coldplay takes a special place in my heart given Mm -hmm. that is kind of what i grew up with and it's uh something special that my mom and i listen to together so Mm -hmm. nice how about you my favorite music artist i'm a type of person who listens to all genres but i will never ever ever get sick of a band um a bluegrass band uh i forget where they're formed from um their last album was put out in 2006, and since then they kind of like all split apart just because like they're all different musicians. Um, called Crooked Still. Um, if oh, you okay. ever played, that's like the one song that I always. Yeah, play you play that one song by them mm-hmm. that I like a lot. Yeah, um, but if you if if anybody who ever listens to this podcast ever has seen the Last of Us Part Two trailer, their song Ecstasy is in the um, is in the trailer where um, Ellie and Dina are like like getting together and dancing together. So. If you want to listen to their music, I highly recommend it. They're a really cool bluegrass slash like acoustic folk band featuring, you know, A.O. Donovan as their main singer, um, who I also really, really love. Um, so, yeah, those, those awesome. are my favorite people. That's really cool. All right. On to our climbing news. So... <clears throat> Over the weekend um, was the we obviously last episode we talked about the 2022 Asian Championships. Um, we talked about you know everybody who won and um, those were just like the individual Asian Championships. So there was like the lead championships, the Boulder Championships, the Speed Championships, whatever. Right? There's also a section of that that is combined between lead and Boulder, and that is to kind of like give an idea of how the Olympics are going to run. Right, um, because the Olympics are moving to a metal platform for Boulder and lead, and yep. then for speed. So there'll be two metal sets. Yep. So in that uh, Boulder and lead um, kind of a combined event, there is a Iranian climber named El Naz Rakabi, um, who is from Iran and who recently competed in the um, 2022 championships last week and during the boulder section she um iran requires all of its athletes to um adhere to a dress code where essentially um women have to wear long long sleeves and long pants to cover up their arms and their legs and they also have to wear a hijab and 
Elnaz Rakabi did wear a hijab for her bouldering section, and she looked really, you know, she looked good. Like she 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 topped, I think, a couple of them. And um, during her lead uh, section, she came out from the um, kind of like from the from the athlete area, um, wearing only a black headband with her head and or with her hair and a ponytail. Um, and she attempted her finals lead climb without the Iranian athlete mandated hijab, um, despite having worn it. Uh, many believe many people uh, speculated that this is to show solidarity with the current protests happening in Iran. Um, after a 22-year-old journalist named Masha Amini um, died in the police in the custody of the morality police after her hijab was allegedly too low, and um, this a lot of people were really cheering for her. They were like, "Yes, a queen." Um, but a port- reportedly, um, BBC Persian reported on Monday that um, as Rakabi was flying back to Iran after the championships, um, her cell phone and her passport were confiscated. And then an Instagram post from Rakabi alleged that her headscarf had been dropped or she lost it or something. No one really knows. But um, she had no time to prepare before she had to compete. A lot of people were really speculating online, like, what's going to happen to Rakabi? You know, uh, nobody really knew she was going to return home safe. So much so that even the IFSC um, has released a statement regarding Elnaz's situation and has stated that they're monitoring it. Um, they, they had been in contact with both the Iranian Olympic Committee, the Iranian, I think, Mountaineering Federation. They had been con- in contact with people in, with, with people in Iran just to make sure that she was going to get home okay. And as of recording this episode today, um, Elnaz Rakabi is officially in Tehran, Iran, um, under house arrest, according to the BBC. Oh, wow. She's in house arrest. So the BBC, according to they have a source in Iran right now that says that she is under house arrest. But officials are saying that she's just staying at home because she needs rest. Yeah. You know, this is Mm -hmm. this is very interesting because I feel like. On one hand, the media does, in my opinion, a poor job of actually getting facts straight. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, and so being in the Western world, right, mm-hmm. and you, you you get all these these major news companies, the BBC, like CNN, yeah. they want to paint Iran probably in a certain light, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. again, I don't you know, have enough credibility to know what that country requires of its athletes or, yeah. you know, I have not done that research, but I think a, a lot of the the hype and the urgency around these news stories is that, you know, American or British news outlets are the ones reporting on this. And mm-hmm. that's where we're getting our news. Yeah. You know, that's that's not to say what they're saying is incorrect, but I, I do mm-hmm. think there is a level of, well, you know, this level of treating their athletes mm-hmm. incorrectly. And it's like, do we really know that? And, you know, yeah. it, it very well could be the case. But at the same time, I think having a, a balanced perspective about this would be good. Yeah. Um, um, there was originally a um, an article here from Iran Wire uh, that alleged that she had been taken to um, Elvin Prison, that which is the one that um, caught on fire last Saturday. Oh, wow. That has been proven to be incorrect. Um, so that's why I took it out of this episode. Um, yeah, I've, I've definitely seen a lot of conflicting yeah, news. Yeah, no. Especially over yeah. social media. Like, yes. I mean, every climber that I know at Penn State right now has, has been posting, has been posting about, about it. And every single like repost has been different information mm-hmm. you know she made it home safe she didn't make it home safe her yep. brother her get, brother was arrested or something right, like, like just that all this crazy yeah. information and i think mm-hmm. you know the 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 concept that she competed without her her hijab mm-hmm. and you know did that it can either be seen in a good light or a bad light and i yeah. think 
there is a much larger discussion here that mm-hmm. goes beyond rock climbing, right? Oh yeah, I 100%. think I think this story just shows like climbing now, especially indoor sport climbing, is becoming on a big enough stage that it is attracting attention mm-hmm. from CNN and from BBC, right? Yeah. And while this is maybe an issue that goes beyond climbing, mm-hmm. climbing has now become a stage for those large discussions. Yeah. And I think that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I obviously like I absolutely hate the fact that some, you know, government is trying is potentially going to punish an athlete in my sport you know i agree with that yes um and that's the reason why it's making the news if any if any other thing could happen that would make climbing get to the scale like i would wish for it like i don't i really hate the fact that like this is the reason why people are talking about climbing because Mm -hmm. this poor woman you know has probably endured even like in the interview that we watched earlier before this episode like she has been under a lot of stress because of the controversy that's been caused so um she is now um safely in iran that has been confirmed there are videos that um show her like in a little escort vehicle Mm -hmm. um you know kind of coming out of the tehran airport um with um just like a hoodie and like a baseball cap um not with her hijab um reportedly after she left the airport she later appeared to the iranian sports minister the next the next day According to BBC source in Iran, athletes often have to give some form of collateral before they leave to compete. And Rakabi was forced to give a $35,000 check with full power of attorney, full wow. power of attorney to Iran's Mountaineering Federation to sell her family's property if she not returned. So a lot of what? her people were like speculating like, oh, like, was she forced to return? She wasn't necessarily forced. Um, Iran has only had one person who has ever um, not... Um, like who has defected from Iran? Um, and that was in January of 2020. That is that's most likely why she had to go back home, and that's probably why too. Like a lot of that that circulation around, like her brother was also that mm. speculation around mm-hmm. her brother being arrested was also kind of, you know, like around because that is kind of like a clause, um, in Iran's, you know, very thing. interesting. Yeah, I didn't know mm-hmm. that. That's that's interesting information. Wow. Yeah. So, um, obviously. Um, well, to Rakabi, we are hoping that, you know, you can keep on climbing. Yeah. Um, good to know that she's safe. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I said, mm-hmm. this story goes to show that climbing is not removed from the politics of the world. It's, oh, yeah. It's very, very, mm-hmm. very there with everything else. Yep. And um, currently there are no types of, I don't know, um, what do they call those things? The um, Not the protests. Um... The things that you have to sign, like, online. What a petition? Yeah, there's no petition for her to keep climbing. Even if there was, I don't think it would be very effective against a country like Iran. Um, but we will be informing, you know, either on our Instagram or Twitter if there are any protests happening um, that people would like to attend. I think it's also good that, you know, because we live in America, like, we're able to, you know, kind of voice that opinion. And I think we should. Um, and support for her. So if we do hear anything about that, we will be sure to blast it on this podcast and on our social media. But yeah, that's our climbing news of this week. All right, next. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so when we found a weekly climbing accident, um, <laughs> This one is this one. This one's a bit different. I'm not gonna lie. Um, it involves a creature near and dear to my heart, 
the what would like it's Japanese a black bear. Black bear. No, it's not like a Japanese black. It's like a black it's bear. A bl- it's a black bear yeah, in Japan. Bear, yeah. Um, I love bears. I think they're so cute. <laughs> I've been known to wear a a bear beanie. Oh right, your bear beanie. You know my my prana bear thing. beanie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love bears. Um, and this climbing accident involves a bear. Yep. Uh yeah. So what 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 happened, Carolyn? So um on October first, twenty twenty two, an anonymous climber who we'll refer to as Mr. Climber, um summited Mount Futago, um which is located near Chichibu City in Satima uh Saitama Prefecture, um in Japan. He was recording um the summit and his climb on his GoPro camera, which was attached to his helmet. And it's important to note in this episode too that um he was not. A climber climber he was this is kind of more of like a mountaineering accident yeah it was interesting when yeah. i watched the video he didn't look like he had gear on he no, was kind of scrambling no, yeah there's it was, no rope it, he just yeah. has like some like approach shoes and like a helmet which good on him for wearing his helmet but like what but, are you doing scrambling by yourself in the mountains this is true like i <laughs> personal opinion bud hey <laughs> say no during uh mr climber's descent of mount futago um, a black bear suddenly um, charges him from the front and um, starts like snapping his jaws. Like at him. literally, a horror movie like appears in like is it not literally in frame. comes comes out of nowhere. Like he just looks up um, and there's a bear there. And there's a bear. There's a whole ass bear <laughs> charging at Mama him. Mama bear. Yeah. Um, Mr. Climber screams back and wildly. Um, as the bear repeatedly tries to like bite him and attack him and like slay at him, and meanwhile Mr. Climber is shouting, you know, "Kuma, kuma," which means like bear in Japanese. So he's essentially doing like the correct bear training, like, even here in America. Like mm-hmm. if you ever see a black bear, bear like specifically black bears, yeah. you need to be loud, yeah, and, um, and scare them away. Yeah, you yeah. go, "Hey bear, hey bear," like as loud as you humanly can. Yeah, they understand English, so if you say "Hey bear," they're they, gonna say, they hey understand bear. English. <laughs> what? Well, maybe okay, maybe this bear understands Japanese. Japanese, but well, like I mean, same obviously, concept. If it's, if it's a black bear living in Japan, I understand. <laughs> I need a source right now. I'm that not was a, is a joke, Carolyn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> I really, I was like, like you, could, you know, some animals are very intelligent like that. Yeah, but you, you would have to teach the bear English before it learned English. It doesn't just like. Is not born knowing English. Listen, <laughs> I was just always ter- taught if a bear ever approaches you, you should say, hey, bear, hey, bear. And like, it'll I be I think the, the point of that is that you're just being loud. Oh. Like, you can say like, the sky is blue really loudly and it will probably scare them. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, the bear tries to bite Mr. Climber on his leg, but he's unsuccessful because Mr. Climber successfully landed a solid kick to the bear's head which caused it to run away and as the black bear runs away you can hear um two little tiny bear cubs who are following their mother away from mr climber so it's very obviously why the bear kind of like attacked the climber um and even even mr climber reflects on it in kind of like the little description of his video um he says quote looking back at the video it seems that the bear attacked me to protect the cub i invaded bear territory but since they attacked me i defended myself with self-defense he writes um he is a he is a martial arts enthusiast who only sustained minor cuts scratches and a sprained wrist from accidentally smashing the rock near him as he was attempting to punch the bear and mr climber also says quote instead of fear i switched to the feeling that if it was coming i had no choice but to face it and he wrote that on youtube um emma what are you thinking (laughs) yeah i have a lot of a lot of thoughts about this Mm -hmm. um the first one is that 
you know, when when we do make the decision to go outdoors and to go climb and, and you know, recreate in the outdoors, we are, we are not we are in the home of other of other creatures, right? Mm-hmm. Like we are we are guests and we are visitors mm-hmm. to a place that other animals live in. And with that comes, you know, the knowledge that that you might encounter wildlife. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think especially this time of year when this video happened, I, you said it was October 1st or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also Fat Bear Week or it, it, it was Fat Bear Week a week ago which is when oh when they're trying to they're trying to like like, eat as much food as possible to survive the winter um fat bear week is you know this this fun instagram thing that the national park service does really vote on your favorite fat bear (laughs) i digress but the point is it is the time of year where bears are trying to find food to help them survive the winter and to, Mm -hmm. to, to bulk up and yeah you know mother bears need to make sure they have enough nutrients to provide milk for their cubs Mm -hmm. in dens over the winter Mm -hmm. um and i think especially this time of year mm-hmm. bears are going to be more active for that reason yeah. and that's probably what happened in this case yeah definitely i was about to say because isn't also kind of like camping or like hiking especially like in bear county like isn't it kind of like advised against during like this time of year because it probably is yeah. yeah i mean i don't i haven't heard anything specific about that but i mean generally it's, it's always important to be aware of the natural cycles of animals and, yeah, and plants definitely. and things when you go outdoors um mm-hmm. but I, I think this is a, a very great example of the of the fact that we can have an impact on our environment yeah, simply by going out and rock climbing, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that bear is now injured because that man kicked the bear, right? Yeah. And so while I, I do not blame him for trying to, to defend himself because mm-hmm. he would have been lunch otherwise, yeah. um, I think there's a very fine balance that climbers have to walk mm-hmm. in order to do what they love, but also respect the area that they're in. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, obviously, I think he did a really good job at defending himself, you know, kind of just, although he was just kind of like throwing punches and stuff, like he was still being really loud, being really effective in his, you know, defense. Um, and as at the end of the day, like, uh, I think he also in the article that I um quoted with this episode that he also took karate as a kid and he said that it helped him oh wow that's <laughs> during, very during interesting this thing. <laughs> um but yeah um overall like definitely be aware like if you're gonna be in bear county and obviously like this changes in japan but like if you're gonna be in bear county especially in america carry bear spray if you want to mm-hmm. pack some yep. heat and if you feel comfortable packing heat pack some heat as long as it's allowed um pack what heat what do you mean by that a boom boom Nice little gun. Oh. <laughs> uh, interesting. I I think you should bring the bear spray. I personally I, wouldn't be bringing yeah. a gun out the out, into the outdoors, but you do you. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. You do you. Like, if, like if you feel more comfortable carrying bear spray, carry bear spray. Yeah. If you feel more comfortable carrying like a little little piece. Yeah. Carry your piece. You know. Um. But yeah, that is like you're just gonna hear him yelling in Japanese. That's fine. Like, is it worth doing that? <laughs> I think so. All right. <laughs> All right, so we're now playing the the little uh, thing of the the bear attacking the the guy. So he, you can see him like coming up and like trying to bite him and and stuff. And then there's a little cub in the background. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see it, like, in the background. It comes up and it's like, Mom, what's going on? It does, yeah. There's two of them. Mm-hmm. I can't even see the second one. It's crazy. 
then he just goes back up. It's crazy. I don't know. <laughs> crazy stuff. But if you're interested in watching um, that little video that we just played, it is if you literally just Google 2022 bear attacks climber and put that into YouTube, um, Mr. Climber's YouTube channel pops up. It is the three minute and 10 minute, three minute, 10 second version. Um, so yeah, overall, that's our, that's our accident. Sweet. All right. The main, the main part of our, of our podcast today. The Chick-fil-A sandwich. The Chick-fil-A sandwich. Also, Chick-fil-A opened yesterday. Yes, there is now a Chick-fil-A, mm-hmm. what is it, on North Atherton? Yeah. Um, it's not like, it, it was always there. It was just, um, it was um, being renovated. Oh, mm-hmm. I never really go to Chick-fil-A, so I wouldn't know that, but that's cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I heard there was like a 40 minute line just for like drive through yesterday. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I 100% believe crazy. it. Yep. When when Duncan says America runs on Duncan, that's wrong. American runs on Chick-fil-A, except on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So fun fact about Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is the um, number third most grossed fast food company in America. Hmm. Um, if it would be open on Sundays, it would surpass McDonald's. The only reason why it does not surpass McDonald's, which is the number one, is because it's not open on Sunday. It has an extra day. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. Did not. Um, So for today's episode, obviously we're talking about gym gym slash crag ethics. Um, I mean, we're going to be talking about gym ethics because I've kind of, you know, grew up in a gym um, in terms of my climbing career. Meanwhile, Emma is just going to be talking mostly about crag ethics. Um, and talk because she's mostly for like the outdoorsy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm um, an outdoors woman. She's an outdoorsy girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, she's a granola gore. A granola granola girl. girl. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. So first before, uh, I'm, I've kind of separated my, my ethics into bouldering and top roping slash leading. Okay, cool. Um, maybe because like there's slightly different ethics with, with a lot of them. Um, so yeah, so I think the biggest thing that I'll kind of be phrasing a lot here and bouldering specifically is going to be about spacing because you and I have both been to like a crowded gym before, like Definitely. it gets really crazy. Yeah. Um, it's often hard to find the problem or to be able to do the problem you want to because there's so many people. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's important, it's super important to manage spacing while, while climbing, um, especially while bouldering because bouldering i believe is the most injury prone discipline of climbing hmm. a lot of people get injured from bouldering simply because um they can either fall the wrong way they can hit things on their way down they can hit people on their way down all sorts of things that you know would not be super fun so the general rule of bouldering is just kind of just keep you know at least two meters um for international people that is six feet for us americans um, between yourself and other climbers while on the wall. And uh, I know I personally have had times where I've either had to stop my send completely or tell people to, you know, kindly get off the wall because I'm either going to run into me or I'm going to you yeah. know, fall on There them. are times where people will get on routes that are seemingly next to each other, but then mm-hmm. they kind of converge yeah at the top of the wall and then yeah. you're like, oh, well, do you go? Do I go? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird kind of like space because you have to make Oh no! And usually the rule is like whoever was on the wall first has mm-hmm. the right of way, but sometimes it just doesn't work. Sometimes like I just like get off. Um, but yeah, it can it can really be dangerous, especially you know if you're potentially running into people. Um, you know, and 
especially um, one of the other kind of concerns that I, the ethics that I've had is make sure that when you're walking in your local gym or crag, there's like, you know, little parts of the boulder wall that kind of have corners, right? Um, make sure, and we call those arets, like the part mm-hmm. where like little corners are f- a form on the wall, those are called arets. Make sure that if you're ever in the gym, make sure that you're walking in wide turns around those arets. Why? Because if I'm climbing on a route that's near the arete and you're walking directly underneath the arete, there's a really good chance that I can potentially slip and fall or I can just let go because I don't think anybody's, you know, beneath me. Right. Yeah. Generally, mm-hmm. just, you know, walking along a crash pad in the gym, just be aware of who's on the wall. Because yeah, definitely. the worst thing is when you get hit by a falling climber. <laughs> yeah. Has that ever happened to you, Carolyn? Have you ever been hit by a falling climber? Not why I was... Uh, not while I was bouldering, but while I was top roping, I got hit. What? I told you the story. Oh, yeah, that was that was a kid on an audible. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole. We'll get into the the, yeah. the kiddos. We'll get into who that climb. later. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, and you know, it's just one of those things where I I've had times where I've been climbing really. I remember my first time I ever sent a V three. A child ran directly underneath me, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to make the top. And I have mm. like the video of someone being like, "Hey, look out! Look out!" And of course, like you know, the kid like looks up, and I'm like, <laughs> "What you doing there, <laughs> kid?" <laughs> you know. Um, but thankfully, nothing happened. Yeah, and that's good. Also, like knock on wood, you know, I've never seen anybody win on top of another person mm-hmm. while bouldering. Me as least. well. Me as well. Um, which is. A great thing not yes. to see. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, and of course, you know, land correctly. If you don't know how to fall, ask your gym staff. It's really, it's so so crucial that you know how to fall correctly. Um, mm-hmm. Because yes. I have, you know, I have seen pretty bad falls. I've they're not fun. I and know someone who tore their ACL from not falling their correctly. ACL. Mm-hmm. They were reaching for the top hold mm-hmm. on. On the boulder wall, so mm-hmm. maybe 15 feet up, mm-hmm. and uh, they they fell, tried to stick their landing, which if you're at the very top of the wall, don't try and stick your landing. Just kind of fall, roll backwards, mm-hmm. let your, moment, your momentum take you. Um, yeah, she tried to stick the landing. Her mm. knee basically like popped out and then back mm. in, and in that process, That's you it. know, tore her ACL, and she was yep, yep. in a full leg cast for the next couple of months. Yep, yep. So, yeah. And especially, like, I see people all the time climb that name, like, fall and land, like, on their hand, like, on their knees and kind yeah. of, like, on their hands. That's an amazing way to sprain your wrist or just straight up break it. Um, so, yeah, please land correctly. If you don't know how to fall, it's not as embarrassing as you think. Go to your local gym staff. Ask how to fall. The last thing that, you know, they want for you and that you want for you is having to fill out like an incident report or having to call an ambulance because you didn't know how to fall correctly. Um, so yeah, um, that's pretty much in terms of bouldering. Um, obviously, you know, be considerate. Um, if you kind of, you know, notice some people like being loud or if you notice that, you know, there's some kind of like new people around you, like try to keep the noise level down a little bit by the same time, like, you know, you're, you're working out. It's not a library. Um, but just overall kind of, you know, read the room. Essentially. Yeah. And I think also what's really cool about bouldering, it's I, I found the most social aspect of climbing mm-hmm. because yeah. people tend to work on problems together. Right. Yeah, definitely. And so while you don't want to give away a ton of information about a climb at the mm-hmm. same time, it, it's really fun to work with other people to solve something. Yeah. 100 um, percent. So, yeah, obviously be considerate of those around you. Um, 
ask somebody if you need a helping hand in terms of solving a project and ask if someone needs help in terms mm-hmm. of solving a project. Um, it's a great way of, you know, building community, you know, while not beta spraying um, and just overall creating more po- positive experience for those in the gym. So in terms of top roping and leading, um, the biggest gym ethic that I have in terms of that, uh, that I unfortunately have seen a, a couple times, is do not, do not, do not walk underneath people who are belaying. And that especially goes for weeding in the gym. Um, even though like weeding in the gym isn't as bad as outside, it's such a dangerous thing, especially if whoever you're walking underneath is a little bit more yeah, away from the you, wall. Could you just explain what you mean by walking underneath somebody? Yeah, sure. So in terms of top roping, um, let's say that I'm you know walking underneath Emma, who's kind of like a couple of feet up on a top rope route, and someone walks in between us. And at the same time, Emma can slip. And you can kind of like swing back and potentially hit that person mm-hmm. um, who's walking underneath. That's like the main reason why you don't mm-hmm. want to walk underneath somebody who's top roping. However, if somebody's leading mm. and if they're lead belaying, and this is not the most, the best way to do lead belaying, but if you're someone who leads lead belays away from the wall, um, there is a potential that if that person slips and the belayer has to catch them, and if you're walking in in between those those two things happening at the same time, the belayer, in order to catch the climber, will go straight into the wall. Yeah, you're gonna get sandwiched. You're gonna get not <laughs> sandwiched, but you're just gonna get kung fu kicked. Like I don't know how <laughs> else to like I don't know I don't know how else to um say it. Um, it's a really not great situation. And even like I understand because I personally do move away from the wall when someone tells me to take. It's a, such a fast way to take. Like yeah, and that's like, I mean you once you get the to the fourth clip, you're supposed to be doing that anyway. Yeah, which is, yeah. Which is totally so. You know, it, it's very normal to see lead belayers a decent amount away from the wall, which yeah, therefore then makes it easier for people to accidentally walk in places where they shouldn't. Yeah, definitely. But even like if I'm you know helping someone take, you know, there is a chance that. You know, either my climber could start climbing, climbing, or like I could, you know, adjust myself, or I could just straight up trip, you know, and have to readjust myself, and then you can still get, you know, a sandwich if you're walking underneath. Um, so it's always important to be um, kind of cognizant of who's around you when you're walking. Um, if for whatever reason you do have to walk underneath somebody, what tell them? Yeah. Communicate. Communicate. Um, say, hey, excuse me, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, and that should. You know, it should be okay. But it's just kind of more of like a communication thing, um, which also leads to my next kind of thing. Always communicate. Um, I'm sorry. I need to adjust my mic. Okay. <laughs> okay. That kind, of leads to, that kind of leads into my next thing, which is always communicate. Um, whether you're climbing or belaying or even like, you know, waiting for a route that someone's on, it's always, you know, encouraged to communicate with others. It, it encourages community. It encourages risk management and overall just a good experience. Um, if you're climbing and after you've taken, just always say, you know, climbing, um, feel free. Like if you're just like hanging out, like resting on a certain point of the wall, like if you see people climbing around you, like, you know, cheer them on. Um, do that, do that type of thing, you know, um, especially like if you're belaying, like if someone says take, don't just like quietly, like, you know, pulling all the slack, say like, you know, gotcha. Yeah. Um, it's important to communicate with your, with yeah, your climbing partner. It, it creates such a positive experience. It, just it really like a, does. A much less stress-free or a stress-free kind of yeah. environment. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, th- some of the strongest friendships and, and you know, relationships, right? Um, come when you have trust. I've never heard of that. You've never heard that before? No. Oh, yeah. The relationships <laughs> are alive and well in the climbing community. Um, 
And yeah, so when when you and your climbing partner are able to to build that trust and and mm-hmm. know how each other thinks and about you know, uh, it, yeah, if you if you're able to communicate well mm-hmm. with your with your climbing partner, everyone is gonna be happy because you're gonna yeah. feel comfortable with what you're doing, and you know less things are likely to go wrong. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, yeah, it's a sudden. It's it's good. It's good to communicate um even if you're waiting on the wall like you know going up to somebody and asking like hey um are you guys gonna you know switch after that um you know or hey like do you guys mind if i climb this Mm -hmm. um after we're done you know it just promotes in community and it definitely yeah definitely so yeah that's my that's my little gym 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 ethics sweet yeah what do you have for your outdoor crag yeah so i'll be talking a little bit a little bit about um kind of the do's and don'ts of being at the crag Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna preface this by saying i'm gonna talk mainly about climber climber and then climber environment interactions i don't want to talk a ton about outdoor bolting or trad climbing oh yeah Um, there Mm -hmm. are a there is a whole you know set of things that are important to keep in mind when you're bolting climbs and when you're setting up climbs Mm -hmm. and when you're trad climbing um but given that i don't have a ton of experience in that yeah um, i'm not gonna talk about that so Mm -hmm. um yeah, I'm just going to kind of go into this. Um, I have a list of nine things here that I think are are good to keep in mind. And so the first one is to um, don't disturb um, land or crags or areas that are environmentally sensitive and mm-hmm. that need kind of a breather from human interaction. Yeah. Or or places that are culturally important to, to other to other nations or other cultures, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I, I hopefully think that's kind of a common sense thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we're seeing of a lot of places around the world, um, climbers are not being respectful of, of certain areas and it's kind of becoming an issue for for, for certain for certain groups or for certain um, landmarks because, yeah. you know, people are, are not being respectful of, of those yeah. locations. No, definitely. And especially, I know Access Fund has kind of talked about them. Yeah. Um, and because we also live in Pennsylvania, um, there are oftentimes crags that do kind of... I believe they like kind of like historically interact or mm-hmm. like overlap the like either Cherokee nation yeah. or like the Shawnee nation. There are a lot of native native tribes yeah. here for mm-hmm. sure. So it's super important to kind of like always be respecting, um, you know, those other nations and cultures. Um, Definitely. Because you never know like, you know, what, what has been there and what's like important to those, yeah. those I mean, cultures. And some of these places could be sacred sites, right? Yeah, and, exactly. You know, in the... In the same way that you wouldn't want something that's sacred to you being trampled on and disrespected, yeah. it, it's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing there. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. Um, and then my next one um, kind of talks about respecting the land specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're going to a, a climb outdoors, um, there is the approach to the climb, which mm-hmm. is basically all the hiking and scrambling or whatnot you have to do to get yeah. to where you're going. Um, and sometimes approaches are nice and easy. You have a two second walk from the parking lot yep. on a nicely, you know, created trail. And mm-hmm. then the crags right there super easy. Sometimes it's miles of walking through very dense terrain yep. and very small trails. Um and so what I want to talk about here is just if there are existing means of access, use those. Yeah. Don't bushwhack. Don't create your own path just to get to the crag faster than mm-hmm. another group. Right. And real quick for like people who don't know like what exactly is bushwhacking? Uh bushwhacking is when you basically trailblaze and you try and make your own pathway Mm -hmm. through vegetation that's already in the forest um so let's say that you have you know a big bush 
right in front of you yeah and you don't want to go around it so you literally will go straight through it cutting down the vegetation and injuring the plant yeah um and so that's totally not encouraged because Mm -hmm. it hurts the land and it hurts the environment um and it's just kind of disrespectful right and the access fund does a great job of of creating ways to get to crags mm-hmm. much more effectively. Yeah, and than I think in the also past. the um, the American Conservation Corps does mm-hmm. a really good. Okay, and that's cool. Um, sorry, I love the American Conservation Corps. That's I cool. think it's so cool. I want to work yeah. with them one day. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, they do a really good job too of like creating you know trails and maintaining trails um, throughout the various national parks mm-hmm. in the United States. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, don't bushwhack and and use existing means of access because yeah. that that preserve spaces for you know a lot longer time for the people um yeah so the next one this one is a little bit in my opinion kind of common sense yeah um again you could argue that about all of these but clearly we're talking about them because there are issues in in the community yeah um so do not scar chisel or glue holds onto a rock yeah. basically don't deface the rock mm-hmm. what are your opinions on me even having to say that Caroline? i don't I, you told me this and i was like that's like basically taking like a drill up with you and like a couple of like plastic rocks like at the gym and just like uh. screwing them into the wall <laughs> could you imagine couple, if someone did that i i if i was working and someone did that i don't i physically and spiritually don't know what i would do like yeah that would be intense <laughs> yeah i don't yeah it's it's such a weird thing to have to say mm-hmm obviously like we've all seen videos of like you know rocks falling mm-hmm. um on crags and like that's just you know you you nothing right. you nothing can prevent that right but, like i've never i i don't think i'd ever imagine like somebody being like you know what this climb is too hard for me i'm gonna <laughs> be a little bitch <laughs> and, and chip off a hold and make it an easier climb yeah um you know i i wanted to add this in because just the other week it was either climbing.com or climbing magazine posted an article about this this one area like out in nevada what? or utah or something that you know has been you know basically abused by people chiseling into the rock and mm-hmm. this specific location has a lot of wear and tear from people doing that and i just thought it was a little bit mind-boggling that you know, respectable climbers will go out and literally change the physical features of the rock to make it climbable. Um, and to that, I say, just get better at climbing or go home. You know, like if yeah. you are resorting to a place where you feel the need to physically change the face of the rock, like I, I don't know how you get there. I would just say don't climb. Yeah, <laughs> just go to the gym. That may get sound stronger and come may, back into it. That later. may sound very like like harsh and like partly like elitist, but at the same time, like. We're we're talking, you know, these rocks have been here for thousands of years and I don't think why they should I don't think that they should change just for some you know, person who's trying to add rock climbing to their I guess plethora of things yeah, that they can do. Totally. Um climbing climbing rocks is a is a lifestyle and, you know, it's it's so important that we, you know, respect um the earth that's kind of like around us and you know the nature that we've all been blessed with yeah and, i like how you said that definitely. yeah and it's 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 just rude it's just it's so rude, rude, it's just rude. To, to do that yeah. i can't believe that like i i, I wish you would have linked that in the in the yeah, thing. i don't i i wasn't able to find the article again and i yeah. don't remember where i read it but I, I i saw a post on instagram from one of the climbing news stations that i follow and it's becoming like serious issues in some locations because yeah, people I mean, just like, don't give a crap i'm sure like i'm sure it happens somewhere you know yeah um but yeah 
Yeah. Um, so the next one that I want to talk about uh, is, you know, don't drop or throw anything off of the climb while you're on the climb. Yeah. Um, and this gets into safety a little bit. Um, obviously, if there's a falling rock, that's why you wear a helmet because you don't want to get hit in the head and then mm-hmm. become unconscious. And then your climber's kind of just hanging out completely off belay on the wall. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other issue. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're if you're up on a climb and let's say you come into a piece of gear that's old and weathered and that was left behind and you're mm-hmm. able to get it out of the rock, don't toss it down to your blair. Put it on your harness and let it come down with you. Same yeah. thing for any any garbage or, or, or waste that you might find while mm-hmm. you're while you're climbing. Um, don't throw things mm-hmm. from the top of a cliff if you're at the top of a cliff yeah, because yeah. that can potentially hit somebody who mm-hmm. is down below um and even your belayer um yeah. you know and, and and that gets into like how you talked about with communication carolyn mm-hmm. with with you know indoor climbing um if you do happen to accidentally drop something maybe like a carabiner when you're trying to set up an anchor yep. or you accidentally dislodge a rock um it's really important to yell rock very yeah. loudly so that anyone underneath of you knows that something is you know Coming at a high velocity towards your head, potentially, that could be, you know, hard and, and cause injury. Um, and additionally with that, um, if someone yells rock, don't look up. Just, just like, you don't need to see it. Like, that's, 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 you have a helmet for that reason. Don't look up. (laughs) It's funny because every time I hear like rope or like rock, like in the gym, I'm, it's like, it's, it's so, like, it's just the Until you really said that, I wouldn't even have thought about it. Right? It's just like the natural instinct. And then you look up, oh, and then there's a rock and now your nose is broken. Right? Versus if you didn't look up, hit your head and you're probably fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I mean, so that, that gets into a little bit more safety than it does crag ethics, but on the whole, don't be throwing things off of, off of, off of climbs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially like, I know we talked about like with the access fund, like promoting like the, the wag bag. Mm-hmm. Um, thing, and I think that's super. You know, I didn't even like for me. Like, I don't. Th- I'm not an outdoorsy person. Like, I don't think about the stuff. Mm. But I imagine, like, especially like for climbers, especially who climb like Yosemite mm-hmm. or like Grand Teton, yeah. like you know K2. Like, you have to. Like, you can't just like you know, you can't just like do your stuff on the mountain and then and drop it down, it. <laughs> 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 or even just like just like leave it there. Yeah, because. Climbers will do like multi-day ascents oh, yeah. of, of walls. The right? average, I think it's it's honestly considered like an achievement in the climbing community to do Yosemite in less than three days. Yeah, or uh, probably El Cap, El Cap, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's like a really big achievement if you can even do it in one day. Um, yeah, it's really like only a handful of climbers mm-hmm. can do it. Yeah, um, most people have to take mold. How many days did it take you to to not to get really close to the summit on Grand Teton? So the approach itself was a seven mile uphill scramble. Okay, uh, that included some some ice. So mm-hmm. you could have called it mixed, but at the same time, the only thing we really needed was an ice axe. Um, mm-hmm. but that took. That took uh, the better portion of a day. Okay. Um, I think the, the the whole thing in total took thirty six hours. Oh wow! Um, because okay. it's it's believe it or not, it's not the hardest route. It's like yeah. Well, you told me that the route that we did route. it was the Owen Spalding route. I think on Mountain Project it's graded mm-hmm. like five four five five. Yeah. Um, you know, if we left all of our junk up there, and or even just like. We, you know, found something tr- that was trash and we just left it or we, mm-hmm. you know, threw it down the side of the mountain. Like, that's just not 
it's not a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It's it's not it's not, you know, keeping the environment clean. No. Um it's not promoting, you know, even like, you know, uh clean cra- crags mm-hmm. either. So, yeah. Yeah, this actually is a good segue into the next conversation mm-hmm. that I want to talk about. Dispose of your waste properly. Yes. Um so a lot of times being outside you won't have access to a toilet, right? Mm-hmm. And so knowing how to how to use the bathroom and keep yourself hygienic while you're outside is really important. Yep. Um and the big thing here is if a toilet is accessible, use the toilet. Yep. Don't not use a toilet yep. because you wanted to, you know, try to use the bathroom in nature. Like if it's there, use it. Mm-hmm. Um if you don't have a bathroom though, um fifty feet or more, uh you should be away. Um if you're if you're you know need to go about your business. Um I always tell participants on trip two hundred paces away from where we are oh okay so um, you take like 200 feet like yes. 200 steps yeah like Sorry. 50 50 feet minimum and then i always just tell people 200 paces away Got from it. wherever we are just so that you can also be you know just have some of your own privacy right yeah um not not even from a purely hygienic standpoint just like so you can go yeah. go off and do your thing like we don't need to see that yeah um yeah and i think what was interesting about the new river gorge needing to you know, start up that wag bag, mm-hmm. that wag bag initiative is that people aren't following these, these rules about yeah. not, not walking far enough away from crags, mm-hmm. not, you know, digging a deep enough hole and needing to go poop, not, you know, doing all these things that are, are, you know, considered good hygiene and, and, yeah. and good and good, good crag ethics. And mm-hmm. I think that's really great that the access fund was able to to pick up on that and and support that. Um, but yeah, disposing of waste properly because that's just gross if you don't. Yeah. So. One hundred percent. The next one that I wanted to talk about that I specifically have a big pet peeve in is when people yard sale. So, Carolyn, do you know what yard selling is? I have an image of it, so like I kind of, I I kind of know what it is. Um, essentially. It's basically like when you lay out all your gear like all over the place mm-hmm. um, and don't, you know, keep in consideration for other people who might be around as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when newer climbers get into climbing, um, you know, new climbers tend to yard sale everywhere. And so like what Carolyn said, yard selling is when you kind of just lay your shit out everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like... You got your helmet on one side of the crag, your back to the other side, your rope's taking up like half of the crag <laughs> and it's just taking up space for other people. Um, and, you know, this gets annoying because it limits the space that other people can use it. So, yeah. you know, if your if your gear and your ropes are set up on three different climbs and you're only actively climbing on one of them. Yeah. That's taking up space for other people who mm-hmm. might want to be there. Um Yard selling is very annoying for a lot of people, and I've 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 been to crags where like newer climbers will be will be there, and they kind of just have their crap everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, it's just it's just a pet peeve of mine. You, mm-hmm. you you gotta you know leave minimal impact for both the environment and yeah. other people by consolidating your things, right? Yeah, and I think that also kind of goes into kind of like uh, gear management as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't. Like, for example, if your gear is everywhere, let's say, like, someone's brand new to, like, trad climbing, and obviously we're not talking about trad climbing, but if someone were to leave their gear everywhere and then were to suddenly, like, you know, like, were were to start climbing and then forget something, you know, even if it's, like, a multi-pitch, too, like, imagine, like, if you go up, like, whatever multi-pitch you need to do and then you forgot, you know, something that you needed down below, are you going to descend, you know, 200 feet Mm -hmm. to go get your thing because you left it there? Um 
you know, it's just kind of one of those things that it, it's a good habit to get into. It's it's wise to kind of like, you know, keep all of your stuff organized. Um, and also, you know, it's just, it's just a good practice to have. Like, you don't want to be taking up other people's space who also want to enjoy the crack as mm-hmm. well. You want to be making sure that, you know, you leave the space accessible for everybody who's there, um, for anybody who wants to, like, you know, potentially watch um, as well. It's just not a good idea to have it laying out just kind of everywhere. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that was, you know, a great way to put that. Um, mm-hmm. And the, 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 the next thing I think is important is um, respecting private land. Yeah. So this has become a, a very interesting conversation for people, especially who work for the access fund um, because a, a lot of crags and a lot of really great climbs are on private land. And mm. depending on the landowner, um, you know, these climbing areas may or may not be accessible. Yeah. Um, I know there are a lot of places around here in, in Pennsylvania. Um, Donation yeah. Rocks is an example. Yeah. I would say like, isn't that there, is privately owned. It's like right across from the main, main wall. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Basically Donation Rocks and that, that general area is privately owned and yep. the, the landowner is nice enough to allow for people to climb on certain parts of, of that, mm-hmm. of that wall and other parts, not at all. Right. Yeah. And so, um, if we climbers go and start climbing on the spots that those landowners would not like us to climb on, um, that could put, cl- uh, you know, areas that we are allowed to climb in at, at risk for foreclosure. Yep. Um, and what I've seen is a lot of climbers through the access fund will buy large plots of land to make it accessible to climbers. Oh, okay. Um, which is really cool because yeah. that's climbers giving back to their greater community, you know, using mm-hmm. their financial situation and, um, helping to buy land so that climbing becomes more accessible. But I, I do know a lot of places where homeowners will not require or will not allow climbing on their land. Um, yeah. And, I and think, that's like, you know, they're right as homeowners. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It is. They're right. And I think as climbers, we need to be cognizant of that and we need to respect that because yeah. if we go and climb somewhere where we're not allowed to, that could put, you know, other areas that are privately owned at, at risk if we're not behaving ourselves. Yeah. You 100%. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I know, like, even, like, for me, like, there's one spot in my hometown of Easton. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but ever since I started climbing, I want to, I want to climb it. But mm-hmm. I don't know if it's, like, owned by the city because mm. if you go to, um, if you go into Easton and right before you go into Southside, everybody from Easton knows what I'm talking about. Passing McDonald's, going up Larry <laughs> Holmes Drive, there's that big wall that's right across the Lehigh River. And it um, kind of, kind of starts towards 611 um as it starts heading towards regalsville um it's like a big cliff that like you know people have kind of graffitied over the years um and kind of sits like right below like the 611 arts trail it's such like a beautiful cliff and i like part of me like ever since i started climbing like wants to climb it but at the same time like you have like even if you want to climb some things that you don't know if you should be climbing you you should ask those questions um where you can get that information, I have no idea. It depends on where you live, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it you avoid so much, you know, potentially like legal trouble, you know. Yeah. Um, you avoid kind of like, you know, misrepresenting the sport in a bad way. Um, you avoid, you know, potential dangers that could be on that cliff that other people are maybe aware of and, you know, may just know because they're the landozers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's so important to if you even if you don't know like what you know, even if you don't know like who owns the land that you want to climb on, ask and keep asking until you get an answer because it's not 
fair to you if there's some dangers on that crag that you don't know about and it's not fair to the landowner to not know that someone is climbing on their property that they yes, may not want there definitely. you know um so yeah always ask and totally keep asking until you find out yeah um and you know in that discussion of respecting places also kind of comes into my next point which is you know don't be loud and disruptive at their crag yeah um you know, I think this can be put under the umbrella of just be a good person. <laughs> you know, most climbing ethics can be chalked up to just be a good person. Um, there obviously are some nuances to all of that. But, um, you know, one one specific thing that I've I've noticed that people either like or don't like um, is, is music at crags. Mm-hmm. And people will bring speakers and set up music. And I think a lot of climbers view outdoor climbing as a way to commute with nature and just to yeah. be outside and kind of disconnect from media and from outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, bringing that speaker, you know, singing loudly mm-hmm. at the crag may not always be the best idea just because it could disrupt yeah. another person's experience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they're trying to focus on a really hard part of a problem or maybe they're just here to, you know, find some mental clarity and they can't do that yeah. if, if you're being loud and, you know, blasting music at, at the crag. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this, this overall is just, like, just be cognizant of others. Um, and I think... You know, all the stuff that we kind of just talked about with, you know, crag ethics can can really be explained well by the leave no trace principle. So have you have you heard of the leave no trace principles, Carolyn? Yeah, I've heard you kind of like talk about them and I kind of understand it based from the name. So basically, like, you know, when you go out to a trail or a crag or whatever, someplace in nature, anything that like can be traced back to you, such as like trash, human waste um stuff like that um should be taken back with you in order to preserve whatever place that you're at essentially yeah totally um so leave no trace is actually kind of a um a national organization now oh really that has created a website and seven principles that you should abide by when you're when you're in the outdoors Mm -hmm. and i think um you know all seven of those principles i won't get into all of them now because that would kind of you know take away from the crag ethics (laughs) portion of this but um it can really, you know, it can really help outline how you should act in in the environment. And mm-hmm. a lot of them talk about be respectful to other people, minimize yeah. your impact, um, dispose of your waste properly, respect mm-hmm. the wildlife, right? Yeah. And so I think at the end of the day, going outdoors, um, make, making sure that you're prepared for what you are going to do and, you know, take, take other people into consideration. I think yeah. you should be good to go. 100%. All right. Cool. I think I think that's it. I think that is it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you guys so much for watching our podcast of Crag Gals. Um, today we talked about what are we talk about today? <laughs> um, today we talked about um, Iranian climber Anaz Verkabi um, and her kind of recent controversy around not wearing a hijab while performing during the 2022 Asian Championships. Uh, we will be updating y'all about that um, as the episodes come along, or if there's any other updates. Um, we talked about our weekend climbing accident, which was the bear attacks climber incident that happened on October 1st, 2022 in Mount Futago in Saitama Prefecture in Japan, uh, where a home, where a, um, a climber, um, invaded bear territory and unfortunately ran into a bear. Thankfully though, he's okay. And then of course the Chick-fil-A sandwich of this episode, um, gym <laughs> ethics, crag ethics, all of the above. Um, just making sure that we're respecting our places as climbers and making sure that, you know, we're following good ethics. Um... All of the things that we talked about in this episode, especially pertaining to climbing news and the weekly accident, are always going to be in the description of this episode, as they always have been. Um, so free, please feel free 
um, to be checking out those. Um, also, because we don't have our own music tracks yet, um, all music that you'll be hearing in this episode is linked down below. Um, they're great artists um, who provide copyright-free music to us. So until we can um, provide like our own music, we'll be having those. So please show those artists some love. Be sure to check out our Twitter, our Instagram, um, and our social media uh, with Penn State Club Climbing to have any more updates in regards to our episodes and just kind of what's going on here at Penn State. Um, but otherwise, I think that's it. Thank you guys so much for watching again. Awesome. Keep on climbing. Keep on climbing. <laughs>